Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Hey, everybody. Mark here. And before we jump into today's conversation, I'd just like to say thank you for your constant support and generosity towards the online ministry here at Menlo Church. I get so encouraged every Sunday when I'm hopping on menlo.online.church or YouTube to watch alongside our community there where we're watching the service live stream, sharing prayer requests with each other and engaging with community and encouragement. That has been such a bright spot in my week and always leaves me feeling encouraged. I'm also super grateful for those that have texted in questions and comments for our fill in the blank podcast, as well as our Menlo Midweeks. And this is all made possible by your continuous generosity. So thank you for partnering with the life change that is happening through these podcasts and through this ministry. And to continue to support or to support for the first time, all you have to do is go to menlo.church slash give and designate your gift to the online ministry here. Thank you very much. I'm super encouraged. And now let's get into today's conversation. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My name is Mark. And unfortunately, Jess isn't here with us this morning, but Prayers for her. She's recovering from some, a little bit of sickness. So prayers up for everyone that is also feeling sick. And we have our old senior pastor mm-hmm. now. Yep. If you've been with us, you'd, you'd realize that was a joke. Phil Eubank. Yep. Just ancient. Yeah. I mean, how many weeks in a row have you talked to me? This is, you're, you're getting sick of me, right? No. More before That's you get a definitely break why Jess is not here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, shout out Jess. We'll be praying for her. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's off the table for sure. She's sick of talking to me. Yeah, I Perfect. get it. Yeah. Yep. Well, Phil, thanks so much for being here. And we kicked off our Lent series this past week. How many Lent series have you done in your quote-unquote ministry career? Uh, I mean, I think probably quite a few. I think that the way we are doing it at Menlo is probably a little bit more unique for me where oh, interesting. it is 100% legit. This is what Lent is. Okay. We are doing a Lent series. We're going to talk about it specifically tied to an intentional fasting spiritual practice altogether. That's definitely less frequent. Um, but I think that there is, you know, there's this uh, old church term of liturgy. Mm-hmm. And so there used to be a church calendar that lots of churches would use, and they actually taught through the exact same stuff. And so when we talk about Advent, uh, this season leading up to Christmas, or Lent, the season leading up to Easter, both of those really, for a long time, were just, hey, this is how we do this. Right. And then as churches became, um, you know, like a little bit more uh, freewheeling in some of the content that they did. A lot of this stuff existed, but it wasn't overtly communicated. So in Colorado, we would do a Lent series. We just didn't call it that, but it was sure. absolutely like a run up to Easter. How do we prepare people to celebrate it? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I've, I love how we have sort of this multi-sensory, multi-environment opportunity for people to prepare for Easter beyond just a weekend message, stuff like podcasts like this or mm-hmm. like meditations this like legit we could sell it in a bookstore book of devotional guide thing yeah uh the you know the stuff that we're doing all together through fasting i think that's that's pretty unique and i think gonna be great so i think so too 
And for those that are listening and we're like a minute in and they're already using words like Lent and Advent and things that I don't know about, mm -hmm. what is Lent and mm -hmm. why is it important? Why are we focusing on it and where is it leading us towards? Sure. So uh, Lent, which means springtime. I don't know if anyone cares about that stuff. I care I about always, that stuff. I always care. Like, what does that word mean? What yeah. is the epistemological root of that word? That's like a big I, word. Those are the nerdy things that yeah. I care about. That's not just like, what does the word mean? But why does it mean that? Yeah. Where did it originate? Um, and so, yeah, springtime or Lent really has targeted the 40 days leading up to Easter each year. And so it moves a little bit because of that, because Easter moves. Uh, and with that in mind, this comes out Wednesday, right? This, mm -hmm. So uh, we're not recording it on Wednesday, the magic of the internet, but this will release on Ash Wednesday, which is the day that commemorates the beginning of Lent. And you'll see in some church traditions, you'll see a Ash Wednesday service where people will actually put ash on their forehead as this act of remembering and repentance and understanding the Easter season is necessary because of our disobedience, because of the sin of mankind. And then the 40 days parallel a few things. Um, you know, this is not, the 40 days of Lent is not a, it's not a uh, um, practice that we pull directly from the Bible. We sort of extrapolate it. And so some people connect it to the 40 days in the wilderness that Jesus spent prior to his temptation from Satan, which is what we talked about this last weekend. Mm -hmm. Some people talk about the 40 years in the wilderness um, that Israel spent wandering uh, in the Hebrew scriptures. And I, I alluded to that just a little bit this weekend, but essentially it's the 40 day run up to Easter. And in those 40 days, you'll watch different religious traditions do different things with that. Some people are like, hey, we're not going to eat certain foods the entire time. Some people, fast specific meals or times. And then, you know, for us, we would say the principle of fasting is really just about how do we create some type of focus where that hunger appetite can be retooled. And so that may not be food. That may be something else entirely. It may be, I'm going to stop buying new things for that period of time. I'm going to buy as few new things as I can. I think that's one of those appetites we're unaware of. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that may be, hey, you know what? I'm going to stop watching this show. That's an easy default show. I talked about that a little bit this mm -hmm. weekend. But I think just picking something that says, by fasting from this physically, I can create a hunger and focus spiritually is the principle we're after. And what will that hunger and focus, why do we want to try to insert that into our lives and why right now? I think as you prepare for Easter, Easter and Christmas serve as these anchors in the calendar for followers of Jesus to remember the specific moments that our faith should be really anchored around, right? Like I think we can mm -hmm. get in trouble when we make something else the foundation of our faith, but the foundation of the Christian faith is actually the historically verifiable uh, life, death, burial, and resurrection specifically of mm -hmm. Jesus. And so what does it look like for us to leverage that mark on the calendar, not just a time to have a nice meal together, not just a time to give kids Easter baskets maybe or do an Easter egg hunt, but something that has a deeper spiritual significance. And like onions, right, over the course of our lives, we're hopefully just peeling back one layer at a time, one layer at a time, letting God in uh, to what's really true in our own lives. And, and oftentimes, I think, letting ourselves in to a deeper realization of who we are and being formed into the image of Jesus into deeper and deeper layers. And so I think this focus allows some of those things mm. to come to the surface where a lot of times when we live this instant gratification consumer culture that we are surrounded by, we will be formed into its image rather than the image of Jesus. That's great. 
And you hinted at a lot of that during your message on this past Sunday. So for those that might have missed it, can you give us a quick summary and then we can jump in from there and we've already kind of jumped in. So sure. I'm loving this mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we were in the, you know, the, the series is called Last Words, uh, which I knew would feel kind of ironic because we started with some of the first words of Jesus' right. public ministry. Uh, he had just been baptized by John. We call him the Baptist, really, um, in the Greek, if you care, it would probably be better to say John the Baptizer. Um, but as we looked at that story, uh, we saw how um, Jesus, when everybody would have kind of expected him to rip off the shirt and have the big S on his chest and fly around, he actually um, withdrew from the crowds mm-hmm. and ended up in the wilderness, the Judean wilderness, 35 miles by 15 miles. Uh, in a really remote, um, pretty devastated area for 40 days. And the text seems to indicate that he uh, probably had water of some kind, probably limited, but did not eat any food uh, for 40 days. And at the end of those 40 days, he, he comes face to face with Satan, a fallen angel desiring to be worshipped. And he is tempted in three specific ways. Uh, he responds, as Jesus would, incredibly well to all three of those, even in his fragile physical state, he found himself spiritually strengthened, and all of it was sort of this preparation for the ministry ahead. And so Jesus, he epitomized the lesson that we talked about, that fasting creates focus. And so um, he fasted, and it allowed him to have not only focus for that moment, but really to catapult what we all think about when we think about Jesus' ministry. And you shared at the beginning of your message how you were an Eagle Scout, and yep. how preparing for that, sometimes that meant that you had to go survive in the wilderness for a couple days at a time. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so interesting to me. Yeah. And I'd love to chat about that a little bit more. Um, as you were, you, you mentioned that what you thought about during those times and how you thought about things would shape your perspective. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so uh, you don't you don't have to do wilderness survival, I don't think, to be an Eagle Scout. But I was on camp staff at this camp in the Adirondack Mountains, and so one of the merit badges or whatever that you could do was a wilderness survival merit badge, and so that's so awesome. You know, it's cool, and yeah. you, you kind of you don't get an opportunity to spend time in places like you can even tell. Even as a kid, I was pretty young. You, you could tell this is different. You know, this yeah. is a this is a pretty unique chance that I'll look back on and remember with my life. And I think that we spend, um, I don't know about everybody else, I, I feel like I spend a lot of time filling my day with things to do, to uh, be active, uh, to be productive. Hmm. And underneath that, I don't really want to admit it, but I think to a certain extent, it's to, like, I turn up the noise outside so that I can turn down the voice inside. You know, like, there is this inner work yep. that God wants to do in me. There's this inner work that I'm even aware of, like I can feel it um, intuitively, but if I just go hard enough and do enough, and depending on the season of life you're in, that probably feels really easy. I think it's one of the reasons that we see these pockets in life, that kind of midlife crisis moment. I think the external noise starts to turn down, and that internal noise you've been trying to suppress of, hey, all my dreams came true, why am I not feeling what I thought I'd feel? I think that's uh, symptomatic. Mm -hmm. I think it's also why folks... Uh, after a major life tragedy feel that way, or maybe at retirement when people feel that way. It's this really unique community that I'm meeting and interacting with in kind of Silicon Valley in the Bay Area of people who retired much earlier than they, earlier than they expected to. And because their job and financial success had been this idealized version of their identity, 
that when they got there, all of a sudden they started to hear it. So there was a really mm. small microchasm of it, but for a couple of days, all of the noise goes away. All of the noise. Mm-hmm. And you, not only does all of the noise go away, but you feel this physical appetite you can't control. There is no distraction. This is what you're doing. And so there's enough of it that you go, hey, I'm going to build a lean-to, or I'm going to build a fire. I'm going to, you know, there are tasks that you can do, but that takes, let's call it 10% of your day. And then the other 90%, you are alone with your thoughts and the Lord. And uh, I think that just for me, those were really powerful experiences as a young man and things that I grew up in a home with trauma and abuse from my father and things that I had just kind of, you know, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, survived. All of a sudden, some of, the, some of that inner chatter became a lot louder. And I think there's something really healthy um, about facing that. And when we go, oh my goodness, I can't imagine facing that. Well, that's why we have counselors. That's why we have help. That's why we have spiritual directors. That's why we have resources and pastors, because we really want, uh, we really want to be able to do that difficult work. And we all know people where every time it gets hard or difficult or tense, they sort of change the subject, you know, because they've, they've never felt comfortable to do this work. And so they go, oh, isn't that hilarious? Yeah, I'm super messed up. And they move on. You're like, actually, that's not hilarious. Can we just talk about it? How are you feeling? What is that really doing mm-hmm. underneath the hood? And I think when Jesus says the thief comes to rob, steal, and destroy, right? He is remembering back to the passage that we studied this weekend. Like that's, it's all in the same slipstream of his life. And he says, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. And I think sometimes as Christians, especially if you grew up in church, the vision of following Jesus is not about the abundant life. The vision of following Jesus is about avoiding hell. And certainly a subset of spending eternity with Jesus is that we will spend eternity in heaven or in the new heavens and new earth and not in hell. I'm on board. Sounds awesome. But if that's where our faith stops, I would argue we have settled for a version of the gospel that is so profoundly neutered compared to what the picture that Jesus came and died to provide for us was. And so understanding how do we step back and go that inner work that God wants to do in me so that he can do things through me takes really hard work. And mm-hmm. it takes meaning that some of the things I don't want to talk about or deal with, I have to talk about and deal with. Mm-hmm. So, And that's my hope and my prayer for our community as we enter into this season of fasting is that we don't shy away from that inner dialogue. Uh, we, we, we are purposefully creating margin in our lives to not only bring attentiveness and awareness to this, but also to say, hey, in what ways can I invite God into, this, into these thoughts, into, this, into how I'm perceiving things around me? And hopefully, when, the, when Easter comes, we continue these practices out into the next year. And like you said, we're peeling back that onion so we can kind of get to more of the core of who we are. At least that's what I thought about when I thought about that onion. Well, and I hope that spiritual practices for all of us, that what what happens is we take some steps that maybe we weren't going to take before. Maybe before you'd never, yep. you'd never tried fasting. And I tried to highlight because of COVID, actually, we've all tried fasting. It was involuntary, but we all had to give up some stuff for a minute, yeah. whether we liked it or not. And and that woke some things up in us, and some of which we were like, oh, actually, that's really bad. And some of it was like, oh, that's okay. And uh, I think that's all a part of the process. But my hope is that anytime we do a spiritual practice, whether that's Bible study like we did a little bit last year, that's the spiritual practice of slowing or meditation or prayer or fasting, that what we're doing is you have a spiritual practices toolkit that we are giving you more resources for as a community that now 
say three months from now, five months from now, you go, you know what? I really want to lean into that spiritual practice. It doesn't mean that you need to be full tilt, do all of these things at the same level forever, right? That That's actually uh, what the scribes and Pharisees were doing that we talked about a couple weeks ago. We're not trying to advocate that. Mm. We're saying these are these are uh, tools in your tool belt or in your toolbox to be able to pull out when the time is appropriate for you to walk closer with God using them as a, a vehicle to get you there. They are means, they are not the end. The end mm-hmm. is abiding in Jesus, is growing closer mm-hmm. to Jesus. These are just tools to help us get there. So great. And so it feels like you're getting a little bit more comfortable with the 30 minutes that you're allotted now. <laughs> Would you say it feels like that on the inside? Or are you still uh, feeling like you're rushing through to get 35, 40 minutes of content into our 30-minute slot that we have for you? Um, yeah, I think it's different every week. This week was helpful because it was really supposed to just be an intro setup week. Okay. I'm not sure that the team that constructed and kind of built this series even necessarily thought I was going to teach through a text because I picked this text. Oh, interesting. Um, it was really like a how do we set up Lent in general. I don't know how to preach without a text though, so I'm pretty much going to always go find at least one. And mm-hmm. I felt like it was a really good place for us to start and explain Lent a little bit conceptually. I do think I'm getting a handle on how much content can I really mm. actually articulate there were a couple times this weekend, so if you watch at one of our campuses, Inside Baseball, you're actually watching the 8.30 service. We record it, and then it's like available at all the campuses. And so that service, uh, probably my last five minutes of content, I didn't get to, and I have a timer. And so I can tell, uh-oh, I'm out of time, pray and close. And that's what I did. And then I went and made a couple changes between services so that I could make sure I had a clear uh, finish for the folks that were watching online, and then uh, the 1030 uh, service at Menlo Park. So if you're wondering, like, what did I miss? You can go watch uh, the online version mm-hmm. on YouTube, and you'll, you'll mm-hmm. hear it. But um, I think this podcast helps to be able to fill in some of those gaps and then um, fill in the blanks, if you will. Nice. Um, and I think that, yeah, there is just a, a little bit more comfort, even just with the space, like where I look and, um, you know, understanding how a service flow works at Menlo. and uh, you know, I, I see some of the same people sitting in the same places and picturing our campuses. So yeah, I think there's probably a, an easier, uh, easier routine to it now than there was. Good, good. Yep. And so now is the space for you to fill in any of those blanks that you'd like to fill in. So is there anything that you wish you could have included any other stories or texts that you'd like to include that you're just like, man, I can't, I just, I still can't fit it into this 30 minutes. Yeah. I, I think that the, the work of fasting is really personal and, I think being able to take a step back and reflect on my own journey of what fasting has looked like. Um, I have a weird, I don't, uh, so I joke with people, if there was a pill that I could take where I never would have to eat again, except when I like wanted to for fun, I would take that pill. Hmm. If there was a pill that I could take uh, where I could never sleep again and just work, I would take it. And I know both of those statements re- uh, reveal some dysfunction in me and I'm in counseling and it's helpful. Um, but th- those are just part of my personality. Um, and so I, I think for me, fasting from food has never been super hard. Like that's, I know for some people, like I'm married to someone who's like, that's insane. I'm thinking about my next meal while I'm eating this meal. Like I, I just, that's just the way that my head works. And so I, I just want to give people the freedom that um, for me, fasting has, I can skip a meal pretty easily and 
spend time with the Lord in that or mm-hmm. not eat for a day and spend time with the Lord in those times. And that's, that's helpful, but I don't think it's creating in me the same kind of appetite. I think for me, it has a lot more to do with technology and how do I limit what I do with and how I use technology. Years ago, I was teaching on it and talked about the, um, the difference between seeing our technology, especially our phones, as more tool or toy. And I just reflected on the fact that technology for me had slipped into this place where it was more toy than tool. And it was taking more of my time and more mm. of my attention and focus than I really wanted it to. And so I, um, I deleted a bunch of apps, turned off a bunch of notifications, made my phone grayscale, um, and it made my experience on my phone really terrible. Like I didn't want to be on it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of the point. And I think uh, the doom scrolling that we can all do, right, where it's just sure. this, I'm going to scroll forever and what is really here that, you know, really into the attention economy, um, which if you work in Silicon Valley and I'm like, reading your mail here i'm sorry but i think the attention economy that says uh these companies want our attention because our attention and the tension they find in it creates an opportunity for advertising and we all consume technology built on an advertising model Mm -hmm. um I, i think that is for the benefit of companies but for the detriment of our soul and so that's just been helpful for me to understand and consistently reevaluate from an ongoing fast perspective of am I thinking about and using technology as a tool or a toy in my life? But I think giving people permission to understand that fasting does not need to look like food. It does not need to look like uh, the place that you've had some spiritual trauma in the past around what fasting had to look like. It is really just principally about what do we do um, that is right now sort of satisfying a longing or an appetite in us, you know, the, the line that I used back when I taught about technology a couple of years ago, uh, was from Ron Rollheiser's book, uh, something fire. Um, but he, he talks about the idea that, um, scrolling is the new smoking and you think about how, oh. yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, you think about how people used to between meetings just as like this coping mechanism, just to numb out, they would just grab a cigarette. And now that you have that image, Watch people, watch yeah. people after a meeting, watch people when they're watch tuning. far, man. I just got to watch myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of <laughs> go like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, you yeah. know, like that, I, that, that is how it all feels. And so we're all susceptible to that. We're being conditioned to that. And so when we talk about living in a society that is trying to deform us, um, whether it realizes it or not, and Jesus who wants to form us, there are different paths of practices. And so, uh, I, I hope that the devotional work and the work in fasting for us as a community will help us be intentional about spiritual formation in this season. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned Asbury revivals in Mm -hmm. your message as well. Uh, I was at a dinner yesterday with some friends and these are not people that typically would talk about Christianity type stuff. And that was something that they really wanted to talk about. Sure. So for those that are unfamiliar, can you fill them in and maybe what's your approach on sharing that, talking about that? Yep. Yep. So Asbury revival refers to, actually, I didn't know this. I went and was doing some work on it last week, Uh, but there was one that happened there in uh the 70s really yeah yeah kind of a crazy you know like that we don't have an explanation for this okay but basically uh, a couple weeks ago at asbury a school on the east coast 
there was a chapel session that essentially didn't stop. And so you had people that were confessing, people confessing sin, people confessing bondage, going, I, I'm, I need to deal with this. Uh, what was kind of beautiful about it in the moment uh, is how ordinary the talk is. Somebody shared the, like, the talk that happened in that chapel, and it was so wildly normal. Like it was, really? And I, uh, I just think that's such a, such a fun part of it. Nobody was trying to hype anybody up. It was just a normal chapel service. And then it kept going, kept going, kept building, kept building, and then started to make news. And you know what I think is hard in these moments, and I, I commend Asbury for trying to figure out ways to protect the students of Asbury yep. in this, because um, you know I think Christians in our nation, for lots of different motivations, are so desperate for something like this that you had people getting on planes. Right. Um, they, I heard um, one interviewer talking about how Christian celebrity worship leaders we're calling Asbury and saying, hey, can I come lead worship for you? Because it's just like, can I get there? Can I get there? Can I get there? And it shouldn't surprise us because we see that stuff all the time in Jesus ministry. You know, you had yep. all these people that were like, hey, can I have a seat at your right hand? You know? Um, and so I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what Asbury is or isn't. I have not been there. Uh, I think there are reports of it being really sincere and special. There are reports of it, maybe not as much by some. I'm rooting for it to be real. I'm rooting for it to start a revival across college campuses. College campuses, by and large, across the country are around 5% Christian, right? So mm -hmm. for us to go, what does it look like for God to start a move in college campus environments, not just Christian colleges, but I'll take that, and also non-Christian colleges, uh, for the next generation to go, hey, all this baggage that I've had around church, I'm going to like wake up to this really profound picture of what it means to to find and follow Jesus. It's n that there's there is no more compelling a picture in the world uh in the history of the world than that call. And so I think for God to do that in our moment uh feels really cool. I also think it's pretty easy for groups of Christians and tribes to sort of co-opt it and make it about them and mm. make it about a theological extreme on one side or another. But I think that what I tried to call out a little bit this weekend is the tendency that sometimes we can have uh, towards cynicism and bitterness. And not only do we not think that it's true or real, we're sort of rooting for it to not be true or real. Because if it's true and real, if there's anything to it, then I have to do something with it. And I would rather just sit in my cynicism. And so, uh, yeah, my, my encouragement to anybody listening, and honestly, my encouragement to me is to battle cynicism, battle bitterness, mm -hmm. and live in a place where we can be optimistic and hopeful about the move of God in our moment. Um, and, you know, understand that no one is perfect. Um, the only one who was, we killed. And so understanding that even in a moment of uh, maybe God doing something special and unique, there's still going to be blemishes. There's still going to be problems and faults. Um, and that doesn't, if that, if that made it so that God couldn't use it, he can't use any of us. Right. And when you say it kept going and kept going, it's more than just hours that this. No, no, yeah, it's a couple weeks in. Yeah, is it still going now? Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think it was yesterday, Monday of this week. They shut it down from like we're not going to let the public just continue to stream onto our campus. But basically, Asbury had to shut down; like they couldn't continue right. to exist as a school, and it had become uh, sort of this uh, attraction, if you will, which you know we're amazing at doing that in America. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're going to make the online stream stuff available. 
But I think the school has tried to figure out a way to really go, how do we make sure that we protect students in the middle of this? And uh, it's, you know, how much of something like this is really the hand of God continuing it? And how much of this has become just the sideshow effect of it? And right. I, I do not envy uh, the leaders of Asbury trying to navigate which is which and um, when to make changes and who feels entitled to it and all those like that feels uh, really, really hard, really hard. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you are calling out things in yourself as well. Uh, I think that's a, an important part of trying to sort through and conversate around topics that we might not understand and might never understand. Right. So, well, and I think that we, we often in our culture, we want to make things that are complex, simple. We want to make things that are simple, complex. Mm -hmm. But when we're not sure how to engage with something in the news or in media, there's sort of a paradigm that I've used over the years of receive, redeem, and reject. Receive is like, hey, this is so good, healthy, and helpful. I can just take it in. This is amazing. Uh, reject is like, oh, this, this actually is objectively unhelpful for me, objectively evil, destructive. I need to avoid it. And most of what we experience, and, and by the way, those are usually what fits in those categories is different for everybody, right? If, if somebody um, has a past with really a bad relationship with alcohol, for them, how they think about or experience alcohol and what's in the receive or the reject category will probably look different than for somebody that doesn't have that as a part of their past. We don't judge them for that. We, uh, we actually uh, co-labor, right? Like we bear with one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third category is redeem, which is where I think a lot of what we interact with in life is. Uh, and so redeem would be, hey, this isn't, this isn't universally positive or universally evil. How do I find Jesus in the middle of it? How do I redeem it for a greater calling? Um, and so I, anyway, I think, I think Asbury is a good example where people are like, should we receive it or should we reject it? And it's like, well, there's a big third category that requires a lot more work and thoughtfulness. But if we're just looking for, is this in my tribe or not? Yeah, it's going to be a pretty short conversation usually. Yep. Yep. Right. And so this is our kickoff for Lent. This is our start of the journey to the cross. What else are you looking forward to? And is there anything that's coming down the road that you're especially excited about as we journey with our congregants towards Easter? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Easter celebration is really fun. You know, you always, you, you always hear professional athletes their first year somewhere um, when they're a rookie. They always talk about uh, how their rookie year, they just kind of needed to go through all the different parts of a year. And then the second year, everything kind of slows down. Right. And so I use that illustration a lot. Uh, when folks start in ministry or start on a church staff, I go, hey, it really takes you about a year for things to kind of slow down, just mm -hmm. for you to be able to see the rhythms, to be able to understand how this works, how our culture is. And so I think personally, I'm excited to to see, I've seen Christmas a little bit, I've seen how January works a little bit, uh, but to be able to be six months into the calendar at Menlo and have experienced uh, Christmas and the lead up to it, and Easter together in the lead up to it feels like a real, like a, just a gift to be able to understand and hopefully love Menlo well right. uh, more effectively into the future. I think that we've got some, um, you know, some, some challenging um, sort of like leadership stuff we have to navigate as a church in the season that I think Easter will give us an opportunity to celebrate and to be able to experience some forward momentum around kind of that Stockdale paradox 
we talked about a few uh, a few weeks ago rather a few years ago uh and i think that um i'm excited to see this idea of a common devotional that we're all working through together and as we start studying that you know the bible talks a lot about unity and so a couple weeks ago i led us through this prayer that i hope you're getting a chance to still pray through and i think the devotional guide will give us an opportunity to have um, unified Bible study together and go, all right, God, would you just line our hearts up? Would you put us together? Because uh, when we are unified, there is so much greater power in that. And so uh, excited for what this season represents towards unity and um, believing that God's going to do a lot in and through Menlo as we take the steps that we need to take um, and seize the future that I believe is in front of us. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the devotional guide because it makes my invitation right now so much easier to talk about, which is if you want one of these amazing booklets that look like they could be sold in a bookstore they that really was do. created it's by impressive. us here on staff, just text our team. The number's in the description, 650-600-0402, and just let me know, hey, I want a book, and I would love to send you one. They're available online as well for PDF download, but if you can, try to get your hands on a hard copy. They're available at our campuses, and you can text us. What's amazing about that that you don't realize is my mom, who lives in Ohio, uh, watches online. I don't think she listens to the podcast. I think that would be maybe a bridge too far. I don't know. Maybe okay. that's just another app and stuff. Um, but she was like, hey, would you send me one of those books? So yesterday, I went to whatever the UP, whatever store and sent her a book. And I was like, wait, I literally, as I was leaving, I was like, Mark is doing this for people. So kudos yeah. to you, dude. That's great. It's great. We sent about 30 or 40 off last year. And that was, I'm going to say the, the book that we have this year is yep. like new and improved version. So yeah. if you enjoyed that content last year and you maybe you want to share it with some friends, or if you're working through this with your family or a life group, just let me know. Love yeah. to send you some. Yesterday, Alyssa was looking at it and she's like, did we make this like Menlo made this? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really impressive. It is, it is really, really, really impressive. And, um, you know, what does it look like to, I think this, the question of what do we do past a weekend? Yes. I think the bigger question is what does it look like if I give Jesus more than one hour of my week? And let's that. be real. Many of you are not attending every single week. So what does it look like to give Jesus more than a couple hours of my month? That's what we're asking. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think, go read John 15. What it looks like is that when we abide in him and he abides in us, we bear much fruit. And when we do not abide, we don't do very little. Like we, don't, we aren't less effective. It says we can do nothing. It means that the spiritual impact of our life when we try to do it as free agents disconnected from God uh, is catastrophically, catastrophically less than Jesus wants us to have. That's so good. I'm literally writing that down right now. So I think that's going to be my focus for Lent. It's John 15. It's a great text. Yeah. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Awesome. I've got, I've got a friend who has a buy just like right on her wrist. You know, like where girls get tattoos. You know, the little. You mean like this one? I really wish I had one. Oh, I, I was going to be like, that would have been incredible. <laughs> my roommate in college, he did one right on his watch band spot too. Uh, that was doulos, which is uh, servant or slave in Greek. Um, but he did it there on purpose so that he could hide it with his watch, man. <laughs> so it's like, doesn't that, that's weird, but awesome. okay. <laughs> well, Phil, thanks so much. Excited to hear from you again next weekend as yeah, yeah. well. Hey, the, Jessica's not here. It's just you and me. People don't know this. Both of us like fly fishing. We do. You got a fly fishing tip you want to leave people with before we go today. Absolutely. Um, as the water is kind of runoffy right now, murky, um, Fish a big streamer, bigger than what you think yes, you should fish. Yes, dude, and I love that advice. Yep, we should start a Menlo 
fly fishing podcast, just you and me. I'd love that. I feel like I'd have to be the interviewer because you know what you're talking about. That'd be really fun. There's a lot of people on staff that fly fish. Really? Yeah. Chris, um, Cheryl, Adam. Really? Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Adam feels like he'd be a good fly fishing hang. Yeah, man. Like just super chill. Really cool. You know? It's fun fishing with Adam. That's good. A good story about that we can share next time. All right. Good, good. All right. Have a great week, everyone. See ya. Well, thanks so much for listening. And our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week. We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays. And this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith whenever and wherever you're listening. We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.